Again, glad you guys are with us today. Um, we are in a series called No Perfect People Allowed. So here's the quick caveat for uh, all of you guys as you walked in today. If that's any of you, uh, if you are perfect, if you did walk in and you got a little ounce of that, please, you can just walk out right now, okay? Because uh, you're not welcome here. Uh, we have no perfect people allowed. We, this is something that we've said over and over and over at our church. Uh, whether we meet people for our massive egg hunts or partnering with the Parks and Rec out in the city, uh, right here in a Sunday morning in our groups, we continually tell people no perfect people allowed because... None of us are perfect, right? None of us. I mean, when we really take a good hard look, we've all made mistakes. We've all done things we regretted and probably have done some things that we thought even disqualify us from certain things, okay? Uh, yesterday, uh, I let Charity actually go out shopping for a little while. And, you know, anytime she goes out shopping and I got all four kids, it's always a roll the dice kind of a moment. Um, so she's out shopping and uh, she, she, <laughs> she gets back. And uh, I didn't even notice this. I'm like wearing one of my kids. Uh, I'm managing another mess or some screaming kid that's trying to go up the stairs. And then uh, my oldest girl is, is managing a big cardboard box and she's got a big pair of adult scissors and she's like cutting holes in it like this. And Charity gets back and she's like, what are you doing? How did you even let that happen? And I'm just like, um... See, I don't even know. I don't even know. But Eden's like, it's okay, mommy. I'm like, I'm swinging it this way so I won't hurt myself. I'm like, okay, so look, we've all done stupid things and some things that probably should disqualify us from other things, like maybe fatherhood, okay? Um, but we've, we've all done that. But here's the, here's the crazy part, okay? Some of us have translated that to the church world or the faith world. And we've thought, because of my past, God couldn't accept me. God couldn't love me. And certainly God can't use me. I'll never forget this. This was a defining moment in my life. Um, in uh, the uh, first pastor position that I had out of the seacoast, uh, I wasn't able to make a whole lot of ends meet. Uh, so I had to pick up a part-time job and uh, ended up being a Domino's delivery guy. Uh, it wasn't a job I was super excited about at the time, uh, although it, it came to be one of those jobs that I looked forward to more than anything else. Uh, and it's because... Uh, I started looking forward to the people on the inside. When I was a, a pastoral intern, uh, I was surrounded by a whole lot of Christians, you know, that, that felt like they had to kind of put themselves all together, have it all together. I walked into Domino's and all of that was stripped. Like, there was no filter. <laughs> uh, I'm telling you, I heard more F-bombs in one day in Domino's back shop than I heard in like the previous three years. It was really refreshing, okay? If that's weird for some of you, like you can walk out, all right? Uh, anyway, there was this one lady though, uh, as we got to interact with each other a little bit, she started getting to know me. I was getting to know her and she found out that I was a pastor, which really weirded her out. Uh, and then I said, look, you should just come to our church. I mean, we'd love to have you on a Sunday morning. That would be so much fun. And she goes, heck no, except it wasn't heck no. Uh, she said, the doors of the building would burn down before I get through them. You ever heard that? The message was clear. I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough. You won't, you, you have no idea what I've done in my past. My record is completely red. Like, God would never accept me if I walk into a church. Let me tell you, the story of Jesus is different. That's what we're going to get into today. Again, we're going to jump into a passage. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and open up to John chapter 4. That's where we're going to be. Uh, I also encourage you to bust out your sermon notes. 
um, we have these, these uh, notes now um, that every one of you should have been handed. If you don't have one of these guides um, that gonna, we're going to walk through, feel free to grab one in the back or even throw your hand up and we'll get somebody to get you one of those. Uh, this is going to be our guide for today. Uh, but we're going to be in John 4. And John 4 has really become one of my favorite stories, the favorite chapters in the entire Bible, because I feel like it captures the heart of God and the heart of what he's called us to do here at the well, maybe better than any other chapter. So I'm really excited about this, but here's what we're going to ask today. Does your imperfect past somehow disqualify you from the love of God or the purpose that God has for you in this world, number one? And then the second one is, how can every one of us participate in the life of someone else who's like that woman that I met at Domino's? How can we somehow get through to people who have that kind of background and awareness that God would never accept me? How do we get through to them that the story of Jesus is different? And I'm telling you, this might be the greatest adventure that we all embrace as we move forward. So let's, let's pay attention here. Here's, here's what, here's what we're going we're gonna to check out today at the beginning here. Jesus is different, Okay. Jesus has got different priorities. He interacts with people differently. He's got a different purpose than most people. And we're going to find this out right off the bat, okay? So your sermon notes pick up in verse 4. Let me just set the scene in, in the first couple of verses here. In chapter 4, it says, Now Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that he was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John, although in, in fact it was not Jesus who baptized, but his disciples. And so, this is very strange, and so he left Judea, and went back once more to Galilee. Let me tell you why that's weird, okay? Jesus had been gaining a movement. He had a number of people surrounding him that were starting to pay attention. They were, they were queuing in. This guy's different. We want to be about what he's about. And so he's getting a following. Let me ask you a question. If you're starting a movement and you get a whole bunch of people following you in one particular place, do you move on to the next spot? I'm telling you, every church planting pastor in America, if they started getting a following, uh, this is probably what their plan would be. Hey, let's raise a capital campaign. Let's get a building. Let's make sure that we set more seats. Let, let's just get as many people together as possible. Let's grow this thing as big as we can. Not Jesus. Jesus is not just about a crowd. He's about something a lot bigger than that. A lot bigger than that. Jesus has different priorities. And he's got a different purpose, and this is what we got to pay attention to. This is going to be ringing in our heads as we continue through this passage. Okay, John, uh, verse, verse 4, here we go. John 4, verse 4. Now he had to go through Samaria. He's, he's going from southern Judea up to the north. He had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. Okay, maybe you can get like, ah. Uh, Maybe I see where they're going with where they named their church. All right, he sat down by the well. It was about noon. Important detail, okay? Log that away in your mind. We're going to get back to that in a second. It was, it was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came out to draw water, Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into town to buy food. We'll get back to those guys, those knuckleheads, in just a second. The Samaritan woman came to him and said, you're a Jew. I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Now, here's the most important thing we've got to understand right off the bat when we look at this inter interaction here. This conversation never should have happened. Never should have happened. 
There were far too many barriers for Jesus to interact with this woman for this conversation to actually have taken place. Let me name a couple of them for you. Uh, to understand this a little bit more, we have to understand what are Samaritans. Um, Years and years and years earlier, in fact, hundreds of years earlier, uh, the nation of Israel was one complete nation and then split it into two. Uh, and then right around the year uh, 722 BC, the Assyrians came in and conquered the northern kingdom. And one of their battle strategies when they conquered kingdoms was actually to intermix them with a variety of other ethnicities so they'd essentially lose their identity. That's exactly what happened to the north. The northern Jews ended up intermarrying and intermixing with a variety of other cultures, and they, they started kind of losing their legitimacy. And so the southern Jews looked at them and said, you're half-bloods, you're illegitimate, you are Samaritans. And you can imagine, that didn't exactly go over super well with the people of the north. And so there was tensions, there was rivalries, there was hatred, there was uh, actually lootings and killings on the roads uh, going north and south. I mean, it was so ugly that even some of Jesus' own guys at one point looked at him and said, hey, should we, should we call uh, your heavenly father here to just rain down fire on these Samaritans? <laughs> I mean, you don't exactly say that to some of your best friends. Things weren't good between Jews and Samaritans. They weren't good. But to top that, um, back in the first century, things weren't exactly great for women in the first century. Uh, so men, especially rabbis, teachers, they didn't interact with a woman one-on-one. That just didn't happen in the first century. It was scandalous for a rabbi to have a one-on-one conversation with a woman um, just for, I mean, all sorts of gender barrier reasons back in the first century. They didn't value things. But to top that, this was a Samaritan woman. There's a moment actually in one of the Jewish leader laws where it says all daughters of the Samaritans are menstruants from the cradle, meaning they're unclean, stay far away from these ladies, okay? Now, to make it even crazier, and this is what is so critical about this story here, Jesus interacts with this woman at a particular moment of the day when she was not supposed to be at the well. See, back in the first century, water was important for a lot of reasons. But women didn't go at noon to get their water, they went to the well at the beginning of the day because they needed it for cleaning. They needed it for cooking. They needed it for nutrition. Uh, they needed it for washing. I mean, they, they needed this water. And so what they do is they get at the beginning of the day, and, and essentially they'd be interacting with all sorts of other women. I mean, all the women would come out same time every day. It was like all you women going to Target, you know? Like you just interact with all those ladies at Target. Like, oh, man, you, that's such a cute dress, you know? Back then, they're like, that's a sweet toga, you know? Oh, isn't that little boy so cute? So, like, this is what they do. They'd socialize around that well the beginning of the day, except for this woman. She comes out by herself at noon. Why? Something about this woman. She was ostracized by her community. They counted her out. Something about her life, we're going to get into that in just a second, but there's something about her where she had felt distance and disqualified from the rest of her community, and so intentionally, she comes out in the middle of the day knowing she's unwanted, not perfect. We found out this woman has a past. She's made some mistakes. She's probably counted herself out, and her whole community has counted her out as well. So the big question for us in this moment is, why? I mean, why would Jesus take time out of his busy schedule to interact with this woman? Because here's the important point. Did did you notice this in verse 4? It says, now Jesus had to go through Samaria. He had to go through Samaria. Did he have to? He didn't. 
In fact, uh, from the southern area of Judea up to the north, there was an alternate route that most southern Jews took in order to get to their northern brothers. They would go around, not through. Everyone, if, if you knew what was good for you, you would take that alternate route. You wouldn't go through Samaria because there's trouble in Samaria. But Jesus didn't have to go through Samaria, but he had to go through Samaria. Do you understand that? Jesus didn't have to, but he had to. Because he had a pre-planned date with this woman. He knew she was going to be there. And he had to be there too because he had something for her. Now, here's the, here's the, the big thing that we got to write down first, okay? If you have your notes, this is what I want you to write down first. To reach people no one is reaching, we have to engage with those no one is engaging with. To reach people no one is reaching, we have to engage We've got to connect. We've got to engage with those nobody is engaging with. That's what Jesus did. That's why he came into this world. He was the son of God who left the privileges of heaven to come into this world. He didn't have to, but he had to because there was a message and a purpose for every single person. In fact, what Jesus communicates to all of us in this room is that every single person matters. Every single person. There's not a single person on this planet who does not have infinite value to Jesus. To reach people no one's reaching, you've got to engage with those nobody's engaging. I remember uh, a couple years ago now, uh, right around the beginning when we started this church, uh, I was taking my girls to a playground just up the street near Dr. Crisp Elementary School. And uh, when you're taking a whole bunch of kids to go play at the playground, I mean, it's just a success if nobody loses an eyeball, you know? Like, so we're at the playground and they're playing around and like, I'm just focused on how do I keep them safe? And then there's this other dad and his daughter who comes into the playground as well. Now, if you're like me in this moment, you know, most of the time I'm just like, no, like, let them do their own thing. We're just going to play. You know, I got my hands full right now. But I hear this little voice in the back of my head. Hey, say hi to that guy. Like, okay. Um, So I go over and say hi to this guy. And it didn't take long for him to just kind of unpack the fact that he just rolled into Nashua. He moved from Lowell. Uh, he's starting new jobs. Uh, he's, he's got a whole new life that he wants to completely start over because of all the stuff that happened in the past. I mean, all this stuff is coming out of the table. I'm like, man, look, I just want to play with my girls at the playground. It's all coming out. And like, seriously, God had a different plan. Now, uh, we, in that moment, we talked about the fact that we're starting a church because inevitably people ask, well, what do you do? So we said, yeah, we start a church. Uh, and we had this kind of neat little interaction. It didn't go really anywhere, and it didn't go anywhere for the next year, even though we became Facebook friends. It didn't go anywhere for the next two years until I start dropping my kid off at Dr. Crisp Elementary School where he's dropping his same kid off who's in the same grade. And as soon as I see him, this is months ago now, we picked up right where we left off. And in that moment like, of re-picking up with that, man, I started inviting him like, hey, you should just come. He came to our Harvest Fest him and his whole family, they had an awesome time. He works right now on Sundays, but we're trying to find a way to get him involved in a group, he and his family. Here's the, here's the thing. To reach people no one's reaching, we've got to engage with those nobody's engaging. Nobody was engaging with that person. And it was so easy for me in that moment to just focus on what I'm doing, where my kids are, with the busyness that's in my lap right now. But Jesus had different plans because Jesus is about something different. He's got different priorities and different purposes for all of us to reach people no one's reaching. We've got to, to jump over those hurdles. I mean, you think about the barriers that Jesus had to overcome in order to reach us. Stepping out of everything comfortable in heaven to come into this world. I mean, he was literally born in a feeding trough. That's how far he identified with us. 
Jesus embraced the awkward. And I'm telling you right now, if you want to be about what Jesus is about, embrace the awkward. All right? You get good at it if you're a Christian. All right? <laughs> you just embrace that awkward because there's some amazing things that happen in that journey. Um, but a lot of us, man, I've, I've heard this from a lot of people. Look, I'll, I'll wait to interact with people and engage with them uh, when God just brings it my way. When God gives me an opportunity, you know, then, then I'll jump into it. Jesus didn't wait. Jesus had to go. A lot of the time we wait for it to come to us, but Jesus is like, no, 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 I'm, I'm going to take the initiative. I'm not going to be passive. I'm going to be I'm going to be proactive here, and I'm going to meet people on their turf. Now, this doesn't mean that you have to go way out of your way, you know, to start something new and to interact with people that nobody's interacting with. Like, it just means that most of the time we just got to be intentional with where we already are. Because the reality is that you and I and every one of us in this room, we're surrounded by those women at Domino's. We're surrounded by people who would never feel like they could ever have a place in God's family and God's asking us just to be intentional with those people. The other day, like, anybody got, like, a massive amount of leaves in their backyard right now? Or you got, like, big leaf problems? Nobody? Wow. All right. Look, if you, if you want some leaf problems, why don't you come back to my backyard, and I'll put you to work, okay? We got a couple of trees back there that literally make my life a uh, H-E-double hockey sticks kind of, like, moment in the fall, okay? Like, it's, it's bad uh, in my backyard. It's just so many leaves. I'm telling you, like, I'm, we're surrounded by probably 5 million leaves in my backyard. So I'm out there, like, last weekend and this past weekend as well, just trying to get rid of all of them, blowing them and getting them to the back of the, the yard. And, uh, you know, I'm, like, I'm blowing it with the leaf blower. And then out of, out of my peripheral, I, I kind of see this guy doing this. And I look up, and this guy's, like, waving me down. It's, like, in the backyard. I'm, like, who, who in the weird, like, what? So I turn it off, and I started interacting with this guy. He's like, hey, uh, uh, you seen any keys anywhere in your yard? What are you talking about? Um, he's like, somebody uh, took my keys and literally threw them across my yard, and I think they're in your backyard somewhere. You seen them anywhere? I'm like, no, I haven't, but if I see them, I'll let you know, okay? And so he's like, okay. So he turns around and goes back in his house. I start blowing leaves, and I'm like, I can't believe this. And then that little voice pops into my head again. You idiots. Go talk to that guy and invite him over the fence so he can look for the keys with you. It's like, all right. So anyway, I hop the fence, and I go interact with this guy. Bring him over. No joke, he pours his whole life out to me. This is a week ago. He pours his entire life out to me. Told, told, told me about how a brother of his had committed suicide just a couple years ago. Whole, a whole bunch of family issues. He was jobless. In the, like, so many different things happened that were just, like, ruining his life. He just poured it all out. And then he goes, so what do you do? pastor started a church. He's like, no kidding. Yeah, I've been thinking about going back to church. I should do that. I should do that. Guys, you don't have to be doing anything different. You just got to be intentional with right where you are. Because I'm telling you, there are people, and this guy, I mean, he, he unloaded with me on how inferior, how in, in, inadequate he felt, how judged he went, like he felt everywhere he goes. There are people like that everywhere we go in Nashua. And if we're going to be about what Jesus is about, we've got to engage with those nobody is engaging. That's what Jesus did. We've got to be intentional. Jesus risked it all for us. And so we've got to go where, where nobody else is going. Now, the, the next question in this is, is like, all right, so why this woman? Why did Jesus interact with this woman? And what does he have for her that we can take away in this one, okay? So pick it up in verse 10. Jesus asks her for some water, and she says, man, you shouldn't even be interacting with me. Why is this even happening? This is how Jesus answers her in verse 10. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would ask him, 
and he would have given you living water. Sir, woman said, you have nothing to drop with, and the well is, is deep. Uh, where can you get this you know, living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as also did his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. What's Jesus got for this woman? He says, you came here to draw water. But the reality is that the H2O that you want to draw with with your bucket, you're going to have to come back. You're going to have to come back and back and back because this is going to dry up. You're going to have to come back and do it again and again and again and again. Let me give you something that's never going to dry up. I want to give you something that you're never going to have to go back to because it's going to be a well of water on the inside of you that will refresh you no matter what season you're going through. Now, back in the first century, the value of water was probably a little bit higher than it is. They didn't have all the plumbing that we had. They just had this well. Our bodies are made of 50 to 65% water, and so we need water. But this is an arid climate where water is precious. And Jesus is saying, you got to come back to this thing every single day in order to get it. But let me give you something that's even more valuable than that. I'm going to give you something that your heart needs. I'm going to give you something that your soul is craving for because he's sensing in this woman a restlessness that's something that she's going to day in and day out, day in and day out, is not satisfying. You ever felt restless? I mean, just with your job routine, with your friendships maybe, with your family, restless. Like, you keep going back to certain things in order to fill you up, but they're just they're not doing it. I mean, it's, it's not a mistake, right, that we live in a, uh, an addicted society when it comes to social media, when it comes to media in general, movies, you know, I mean, you name it. We've got all sorts of addictions in this society, but the crazy thing about addictions that it proves to us is that no matter how many times you go back to it, you're never going to be able to satisfy that craving. That's, that, that's the definition of, of addiction. Now, for some of us in this room, you've been looking to your job, and maybe your job success in order to kind of fill that sense of restlessness on the inside of us. You would say, man, like if I could just complete that project at my job and really impress the boss and maybe climb the corporate ladder, if I, if I get to this certain place in my company, then I'll arrive. Then I'll get to the place where I can be like satisfied, right? Is there ever a position or a title or enough money to really satisfy the human heart? I mean, I'll never forget this. Uh, Tom Brady, after he won the first three Super Bowls, he was interviewed by CBS. Uh, I'll never forget the interview because the, the guy at CBS is like, man, you, you've arrived. Like Brady, you're, you're young, uh, you're, you're, you're stud. Like he made, I think, like, like uh, Sexiest Man of the Year award, something like that. Like you, you have the sex appeal, you've got the athleticism, you've got the money, you've got the fame, you've got the achievements, you have it all. I mean, how good does it be to, to be Tom Brady right now? And he's like, yeah. So Tom Brady says, it's good, but got to be something more. You could be as successful and attractive as Tom Brady, and still there's a restlessness on the inside of us. Maybe for some of us in this room, you've been looking to relationships to satisfy that, and it doesn't matter how much you try to seek the approval of other people around you, there's a restlessness on the inside that says, I need more. God, there's got to be something more. What is that for you? St. Augustine, back in the 
300 said, our hearts are restless until they find rest in God. Jesus said, you're looking for water and you're coming back and back and back. I want to give you something you're never going to have to come back to. Living water. Now, here's what we, here, here, here's the next stage of this, okay? We understand in this moment here why this woman comes out at noon. She's still wrestling with this. She has no idea really what Jesus is talking about, but she comes out in noon to draw water. And Jesus is like, let me tell you what you've been searching for your whole life that is not filling you up. And this is what I want to replace. You ready? This is uh, starting in verse 15. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water so that I'm not going to be thirsty again and have to keep coming back here. You know, she's like probably testing him at this point. Yeah, go ahead. You get that water. All right. You go, go ahead. And he says, go ahead and call your husband and come back. <laughs> Wait, What? I thought we are talking about water here. And she goes, uh, I have no husband. And Jesus <laughs> calls her out. You ready? Jesus said to her, you're right. And you said you have no husband. Fact is, you've had five, sister. And the man you have right now is not your husband. What you said is just true. And you can imagine this moment. She's like, wait a minute. Wait, 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 wait. We're talking about water here. How dare you talk about my past like that? And you can see it too. Ready? Like, whoa. Here we go. Uh, Sir, the woman says, check this out. I love this. I I can see you're a prophet. Uh, And she starts trying to change the subject. You ready? All right. Our ancestors worshiped on this mountain, but you say Jews claim that we, the place where we should worship is in Jerusalem. Okay. You know, like in this moment, she's like, let's not talk about my past. Okay. All right. Terrible acting. I'm really sorry. That's, that's probably something you should never, ever see ever again. Okay. Um, But here's what he's been saying. I know the real problem in your life. You've been looking for love in all the wrong places. In fact, you keep going to guy after guy after guy after guy, and guess what? It's not working. You're looking to men to satisfy you, and it's not working. And here's what he says. You can't just try to find what you're looking for in another guy. You've got to replace these things, these imperfect loves, with something far greater. Here's the next part in your notes, okay? You can write this down. No imperfect love, no imperfect love can satisfy an imperfect heart. No imperfect love can satisfy an imperfect heart. We've all got an imperfect heart. We've got something on the inside of us that's restless and we're longing. And the reality is that the God of the universe has created you in a way where only one thing can satisfy that deep craving on the inside. You were not made to have imperfect heart whole satisfied by imperfect love. You can only satisfy that with a perfect love. And Jesus is saying, I want to give you living water that's never going to have to, uh, you're, you're never going to have to come back to again. It's never going to run dry. It doesn't matter how successful you are at your job. It's never going to satisfy you. I want to do something even greater than that. And so Jesus responds to this woman this way. He says, woman, believe me. This is verse 21. Believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. This isn't the point. He says, this is not what I'm talking about. You Samaritans worship what you don't know. We worship what we do know for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Jesus is bringing it right back to what this whole thing is about in the first place. Let me dig it into the heart. We're not talking about circumstances or mountains or Jews or Gentiles or anything like that. Like we're talking about the heart. They're going to worship the Father in spirit and truth. God is spirit and his worshipers must worship in spirit and And in truth, and the woman says, look, this is way too much for me right now. Let's settle this at a different time. 
She says, I know that the Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, he's going to explain this to us. In other words, she's going to be like, time out. I don't want to deal with this anymore. It's going to get settled at some point. And Jesus then drops the mic on her. And he declares, he says, I, the one who's speaking to you, I'm that guy. Now here's what happens in this moment. Jesus says, that thing you've been looking for your entire life is standing right in front of you right now. There's only one person who can satisfy you completely. And that's why I'm here. And in that moment, she understands that she's fully known. Jesus had ripped her world wide open. He knew that she was a mess, far from perfect. But even in being fully known, he ushered to her this one life-changing message. You are fully and infinitely loved. And there is nothing you can do in your past that can take you away from this perfect love that I want to satisfy the deepest parts of who you are. This is what Jesus did for us. You ready? For some of us in this room that we've been searching for comfort, your job is just crazy, and you're just looking for an escape at the end of the day. You're looking for anything to comfort you, whether it's uh, alcohol or TV or phones or anything like that. You're just looking for some sort of a comfort and escape. You know what Jesus did for you? He died for you, and then he promised this. He says, I'm with you always, and not just anybody to comfort you. This is the God of the universe. He says, for those who place their faith and their trust in me, I'm with you always, and I have gone to prepare a place for you forever. Talk about comfort. He wants to replace some of these things in our lives that are, are, are just not satisfying with something that's going to satisfy us forever. You're looking for success? Jesus Christ defeated the grave. You talk about someone beating the odds. Jesus beat that and says, if you place your faith and trust in me, you are more than a conqueror. That's who you are. You are a victor. You are an achiever. You have the greatest success possible when you place your faith and your trust in me. I'm going to replace that. You're looking for beauty to approve you in the eyes of other people. You know what he did? Jesus, when he died, he sacrificed everything so that in Ephesians it says he died so that he could make his bride radiant and spotless and blameless. That when you're in Jesus Christ, You're about as beautiful as you could ever get. You don't have to look at yourself in the mirror again every day and wonder, am I going to get my value today by how people see me and my appearance? You're looking for approval. Jesus actually sits by the throne of the Father in heaven interceding for you right now. You know what he's saying? He says, God, you wouldn't believe this sister over here. She's awesome. She's amazing. She's covered completely. She is white as snow. That's how awesome she is. You can't, I I can't wait to introduce you. That's what Jesus is saying about every single one of us in this room when you place your faith in Jesus. You can write this down in your notes. This is what he wants to do. To be fully satisfied, to be fully satisfied, we must replace imperfect love with Jesus's perfect love. It's not enough to just know that some areas of your life are not right. You have to replace that with a love that's far greater. You can't keep coming back to your job for your identity and your success and your security. You can't keep coming back to trying to fill your bank account and your 401k because that's never going to make you secure enough. You've got to replace that with something that's far, far greater. So what happens 
for each one of us in this room, what happens to us when we get to that place where we've actually replaced that and we've been satisfied by Jesus and his perfect love alone? Well, watch what happens to this woman. You ready? This is crazy. This is so transforming. And I want you to know that this is our, our heartbeat as a church. This is what we pray for. Then, leaving her water jar, that's so important, the woman went back to town and said to the people who had rejected her, who had isolated her and wanted nothing to do with, she had left her original purpose of picking up water, and she returned to the people who had ostracized her. Talk about complete transformation. Come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? And they came. Talk about that. I mean, this is a woman that everyone knew was not a part of the community anymore. She came to them, and because of that and seeing the transformation in her life and how satisfied she was, they said, man, we got to check this out. They came out of the town and made their way toward him. Many of the Samaritans from that town, they believed in Jesus because of the woman's story. He told me everything I did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. And they said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we've heard for ourselves, and we know that this man really is the Savior of the world. She went from outcast to being on the inside. She went from being afraid of people to affectionate towards other people. She went from being closed off and shut down to compassionate with other people. She had risked everything to come back into the community who had ostracized her. Why? Because Jesus risked everything to find her. And When you understand that the king of the universe has done that for you, it doesn't matter anymore. You can't help it. You've got to share this with other people. Because when you're fully satisfied, you can write this down in your notes. This is your next one. When you're fully satisfied, when you've been filled up on the inside, you are now free to serve others. That's the truth, isn't it? You don't have to go back to your workplace anymore to try to get approval from your boss, to try to earn your security, and to try to earn your approval. You already got it. And at that point, when you're on your way to the boss's office and you pass by that cubicle, you're now so satisfied on the inside that you're free to talk to that person you never talked to. You're so satisfied in that moment that you don't have to go to the playground looking like you're all that in a bag of chips or just taking care of your kids and whatever's satisfying you. You can actually interact with that person who's brought their other kid with them. You can interact with that neighbor across the fence instead of just getting so trapped in your own little world of blowing five million leaves just because you're so ticked off that you live here in New England in this moment. Like, when you're so satisfied, when you're fully satisfied, you are now free, liberated, to serve other people. That's why we're here, guys. That's why we partner with the Parks and Rec. That's why we throw block parties. That's why we do these harvest fests and we do these outreaches around the Christmas time to give backpacks and school supplies and Christmas presents out to families in need because we want to build a bridge into people's lives to let them know how valuable they are in Jesus because, man, we've been fully satisfied, not half satisfied, not quarter satisfied. Jesus has met us completely and saved us and rescued us. We're now free to give our lives away. We're not free to do that. She understood that God wasn't mad at her. Some of you need to hear this today. God wasn't mad at her. God was mad about her. And when you understand that that's the heartbeat of the God of the universe, for you personally, it changes your life. It changes your life. Now the reality, though, 
that there was another crew here, isn't there? There's one other crew in this story. And my heartbeat for all of us in this room right now is that we would not do what they did. Because here's what happened, you ready? His disciples were with him. These are the guys on the inside. They're supposed to be his buddies, his battle buddies. You're supposed to get it completely and understand everything that Jesus is about. These are the guys who are supposed to get it. And yet when Jesus comes to the well, what do they do? They go into town and go get some food. And when they come back with the, with the food, they're seeing Jesus interacting with this woman. And they're like, well, that's awkward. Like their jaws drop to the floor and they're all just like frozen. It says like they didn't know what to say. They're literally standing there like, like they didn't know what to do. And so what do they do? They look at Jesus. I love this, ready? They look at Jesus and they're like, hey, Jesus, you want something to eat? Because we got some food right now. And Jesus is like, you guys don't even get it, you knuckleheads. Like, I got food that you don't even know about. And they look at each other and they're like, uh, wait, Peter, did you give him some food? No, John, you give him some food? And they're like, who brought him food? This is what Jesus says. He says to them, I have food to eat that you don't know anything about. My food, this is verse 34, Jesus said, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. That's what fills me up. Don't you have a saying, it's still four months until harvest? We're in harvest season, are we not? We're about to celebrate Thanksgiving. Anyone else ready to pig out Thanksgiving Day? So good. Um, he says, harvest time. I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They're ripe for harvest. Everyone loves harvest because when you harvest, you get to eat something good. He says, I've got something good for you. Open your eyes. Even now the one who reaps draws a wage and harvests a crop for eternal life so that the sower and the reaper may be what? Glad together. When you and I participate in the rescue mission, when we start reaching out in the lives of other people and helping our friends and our neighbors know and follow Jesus, there is a joy that is unmistakable. You cannot miss it. When we embrace that awkward and start engaging with those that are not being engaged right now, Jesus will well up on the inside of us a joy that we can't mistake. And he says, thus the saying is true, one who sows and another reaps uh, uh, is true. I sent you to reap what you have not worked for. Others have done the hard work and you've reaped the benefits of their labor. He says, there is a world of joy waiting for you. But it's not going to happen fully until you start participating in what God's about. Here's your last note. When you've been found by Jesus, you help others find Jesus. When you've been found by Jesus, you can't help it. You help others find Jesus too. There is a crazy joy. I'm telling you, these Sunday mornings where, uh, and hopefully in the next month or so, we're going to celebrate another baptism because we've got a brother in our church right now who is ready to go all in with Jesus. And I'm telling you, baptism Sundays are like nothing else here at the well. It is a massive party and we throw it hard here because when we celebrate a life that has been uh, lost and has now become found in Jesus Christ, there is no greater party. But here's my heart for all of us in this room right now. I want you guys to be at the baptism tank with one of your friends. This isn't a church where just the pastor gets to do it. If you've played a part in someone's life in coming to faith and understanding that it doesn't matter how imperfect I am, it doesn't matter what kind of broken past I am, I am a whole when I put my faith and trust in Jesus. If you've played a part in someone's life like that, man, you're right at the tank with me. And we gather around, it's like a mosh pit, Okay. And we celebrate with loud music. We throw the banners. We celebrate the stories. And we get to dunk those people together, representing what Jesus has done to bring new life in someone. That's why we started this church. Because we've prayed for those women at the well all around us. 
And we pray that God would not only transform their life with the saving faith of what he's done for them on the cross, dying in their place, but he would transform their life to go then go back to their communities right here in Nashville and beyond and see their friends come to know him too. Come see a man who showed me everything about my life. Come, show, come see a man. I'm telling you, there is nothing more joyful than this. Um, I, I used to work at a t-shirt factory uh, back in college. It was uh, probably the least desirable job that I ever had in my life. Um, <laughs> because in the summertime, it gets pretty hot. Uh, on the inside of a t-shirt factory, some of you have heard me share this story before, uh, it, it heats up big time. Okay, like those dryers to dry those t-shirts with all the ink on them. Like on the inside of that room, it would go up over 100 degrees. It was literally a sweatshop. Okay, like that's what I worked in. Uh, and so every day, man, it took me a while to muster up that courage and that energy, and that motivation to go back to my workplace. And some of you are like, yeah, that's me. I don't enjoy my workplace. It was drudgery going into that place. But I tell you what, everything changed for me when I started seeing these people differently. Because I started seeing some of these guys and the hopelessness that some of them had on the inside. And Jesus started enlivening something on the inside of me and said, you know what? Maybe I'm, he- I'm here not to j- just get a paycheck. Maybe I'm here because Chad needs Jesus, and he, he needs a living water that trans- it, it transfers, like it goes beyond, it transcends just the circumstances that he's going through right now. Maybe Sean needs that. Maybe Dana needs that. These guys, they, they do this every day. And I'm telling you, something went from drudgery, which some of you are experiencing right now in your workplace, into one of the greatest joys of my life. Because God started forming these relationships with some of these guys, and I actually, believe it or not, in in the back shop of a sweatshop, t-shirt factory, I got to lead some guys to Jesus Christ that summer. And instead of drudgery, this joy bubbled out of me that I, I still in this moment have a hard time containing. Jesus wants that joy for you, and he wants that joy for me.